This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness, personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you. I'm not Idi Amin or Paul Pot. It's evolution, <laughs> not revolution. But we won't be happy in 17th in the table again next season. That's wonderful. <laughs> nothing, nothing like um, sort of willing your players on by encouraging or maybe mentioning people that have committed genocide. <laughs> <laughs> podcast just a two-man show this evening because the others are doing other stuff just ryan and me this evening ryan how you doing yeah good mate thank you sorry to be the only man standing but that's just one of those things but yeah how are you i'm very well you didn't disappoint me today you're here it's uh it's the two t's that didn't make it one of one of the t's is off working in turkey and i don't know where the other t is also working in turkey (laughs) We thought, we thought we'd mix it up a little bit this week. So normally we leave the second part of the show for our Terrible Tens prediction. But we thought we'd bring that into the first half of the show and make this a bit of a preview pod. In the second part of the show, we'll go over the England squad and then other international games and, and maybe start a new feature that we'll talk about a little bit later as well. But let's start it off with the predictions. We're not doing very well, are we, Ryan? Well, you are, but... The rest of um, yeah, I was going to say, that's a bit of a sweeping statement. Um, yeah, <laughs> after three weeks, we've got a, a bit of a trend happening at the minute. So Tim is languishing, I think is the only word uh, we can use, <laughs> um, on 11 points, which is, as you mentioned earlier, less than what your brother got in one week. So Impressive. Tim needs to pull his finger out. And we'll look at Tim's predictions later. Unfortunately, Tom hasn't sent him in at time of recording. So we'll have to just wait for his to come in at some point in the next day or two. The um, difference, mate. I know, yeah, it's, it's all of those hours in Turkey. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Tom is actually at the minute second on 19 points. So Tim's bringing up the rear on 11. Yourself are on uh, is on third, 16 points, so third place at the moment. And then I'm leading just about with 21. But as we can, we'll find out shortly, that will probably change this weekend because we have... A lot of games which, um, personally, I don't know anything about. Um, <laughs> we've got a few games in League 1, League 2, which look on paper to be quite interesting. So it'll be interesting to see um, and pick apart your reasons for going for your predictions, Danny. So we'll run through the games quickly. We've got Cambridge, Forest Green, Carlisle, Exeter, Coventry, Blackpool, Dunfermline, Alloa. Forfar against East Fife, yeah. Both the big games in Scotland. Um, Grimsby v Crew, Leighton Orient Swindon, Morecambe Salford, Tranmere Gillingham, Wickham, Lincoln. So start off with Cambridge game. So Danny, you've put Forest Green to win one nil on this. Is there anything particular, or is it just because you like the kit? I, I hate the kit. As and as a, as a man okay. whose favourite colour is green. I despise how green that kit is, but I I just like Forest Green. I saw them play um, in midweek as well. I know it was in the Checker Trade Trophy, so you don't really know what um, the strength of that team is. But they beat um, Southampton under twenty ones. They look like playing some good stuff. So I've gone for a, a one nil win. Interesting. So yeah, gone for a one nil win. Personally, I went for a nil nil draw purely because every time I've seen Cambridge and actually paid attention to Cambridge's games on the uh, Quest highlight show this year, they've just drawn nil nil at home. <laughs> so I just thought I oh, maybe third time lucky um, but yeah like I say in terms of Forest Green they obviously got a playoffs last year so that could be interesting so you're hoping for a win there um, you've carried on the trend and so have I actually with this um, we've got Carlisle Exeter in the second game and you've also gone for another away win so Exeter you're fancying this weekend then? Yes I am fancying Exeter and I thought there'd be goals in this one I don't know why I just feel like there'll be goals I've gone for a 3-1 win Nice. Yeah, like I say, they um, extra do at the minute, they seem to be good at grinding out results. And so maybe they do one where they just sort of take the leash off and just go and sort of put a few past um, Carlisle, a team that are not doing too great at the minute. But then um, that's to be expected when you don't spend that much money. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, I've gone for a 2-0 win. Tim's also gone for a 2-0 win on that one. Um, and just to round it off as well, Tim went for a 1-0 Cambridge win on the first one. So we've got three different scores for the first game. But Wait, then we've that, all gone... Was that Tim going for a home win? I know, yeah. They're actually... this. He's he's really took the shackles off this week. And um, <laughs> there, are pl- there are many home wins, but we'll obviously get to those in a minute. Um, so we've all gone for an away win for Exeter. Um, next game, quite an interesting one in League One at St Andrews, Coventry against Blackpool. So you've gone for a one-all draw, Danny? Yeah, I have. I, I don't know. I just like the way Mark Robinside side play, but I think Blackpool will, will put up a stern test. So I've, I've gone for a score draw. Yeah, like I said, well, it's third against fourth or, or fourth against third if we're doing it sort of home away team. So, yeah, there doesn't seem to be much separating the both teams here. I went for a two-all draw. I think there's going to be goals in this um, because Blackpool and Coventry, like I said, they've both got quite good um, options going forward. So I reckon there could be goals. And surprisingly, I thought Coventry have settled in, even though they're playing 30 miles away from their own ground, they're settled in quite well. Um, Tim's gone for them to be settled in even more by Sunday because he's gone for a Coventry 2-1 win. So another home win for Tim. So be interesting to see where we uh, end up with that. Um, Dunfermline and Alloa. So we're up in Scottish divisions now, um, but it's not a league game. No, it's not. So therefore, this might explain why you've gone for a 6-0 win for Dunfermline. <laughs> I've just gone for an absolute drubbing, mate. It's the cut. Yeah, yeah, it could happen. I mean, look, you said earlier, you sent me the notes and said form goes out the window. I, I mean, know. there's going out of the window and falling onto a railing spike as well. I think <laughs> the form there, because that's horrendous from Alloa, if, if that turns out to be true. Um, I've just gone for a 2-0 win for Dunfermline purely because I just... Boo. Yeah, I followed you, but I didn't want to be too outrageous. Um, Tim's gone for a 2-1 Dunfermline win. So three out of the four games that Tim's done are home wins at the minute. So steady on, mate. <laughs> Calm it down. Calm it down, Tim. Uh, four Far East 5. So, Danny, I'd like you to introduce this and why you've said it. Uh, I've gone for the the absolute beautiful comedy routine of... I think it's actually the wrong way around because the, the original comedy routine is East 5-4. Four, far, five. But, um, but you've, you've bucked the trend. <laughs> I've, I've gone against good old-fashioned comedy and I've tried to make my own joke because four, far at home. So I've gone four, four. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> oh, yes, there we go. <laughs> four, far, five. East, five, four. For fuck's sake. There we go. So it's even tripped you up and it was your thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> partly why I let you say it yourself because otherwise I knew I was going to mess it up. Thanks, mate. Um, that's all right. <laughs> I think like throwing someone under the bus. Um, I've gone for a one-all draw purely because I was researching this, obviously, after you um, sent me in your predictions and you said, obviously, 5-4. I did research this to work out whether or not this had ever happened before. And I'm happy to say, in a way, it sort of has. So six years ago, there was a game against the two teams, 4-5 against East 5, that finished one all, and then East 5 managed to win it on penalties, I believe, 5-4. Or one of the teams won 5-4 on penalties. So obviously that's halfway there, even though it doesn't really count. So I've gone for a one-all draw, and then I'm hoping for a penalty shootout. I don't know if there is a penalty shootout straight away in this cup. I'm hoping there is. Um (laughs) So, yeah, so I've gone for a one-all draw. Tim's gone for 1-0 four-far. I'm assuming just because he had to give a score for this. <laughs> he had to make a prediction. It's a legal requirement to play the game. So, <laughs> I don't know why else he would have gone for 1-0. The same way why I've only gone one-all based on a hunch. But, anyway, back into uh, proper football now, into League Two. Um, Grimsby against Crew, Danny. You've gone for a 2-1 Crew win because you like David Artel. He's a nice man. He's a, he's a very knowledgeable man about football. He's very well-spoken. So I've gone for a 2-1 win to Crew. He's also a very knowledgeable man, full stop. I believe he's one of the only footballers to have a degree. He is, yeah. Uh, so he's very... hope, hoping whatever degree he's got, it will come in handy against Grimsby. <laughs> I'm going to Google it as you go through Tim's predictions. <laughs> you? Um, also, you... Notice that I'm not taking forever to uh, read out the scores back to you because I'm not writing them down as we go along. <laughs> You've evolved. Yeah, exactly. Um, you found out what his degree's on yet? I have found out. Forensic biology. Decent. So he's That's... got a job as playing a detective on a BBC One show. <laughs> Miss Marple. <laughs> 
Excellent. Very good. So you've gone for a 2-1 crew win, like you said, because you've met Dave Artel before. Tim's gone for another fucking home win. Oh, God, Tim. 3-1 to Grimsby. I think basically we've got in his head now. Yeah, we have. <laughs> like, really, he's now just sabotaging his own scores just to prove a point. <laughs> we've got in Tom's head so much he's not playing anymore. <laughs> just quit the game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out, boys. Three weeks in. That's me done. It's like on um, the bit on Family Guy when he's talking about something and Cleveland goes, oh, you don't win. You just get a little better every time. <laughs> I thought like this game is like that as well. <laughs> it never wins. Um, yeah, I've gone for a one-all draw purely because both teams seem to be quite in good form at the minute. So I feel like they can cancel each other out. Both teams have sort of had really good wins recently. Grimsby won 5-2 the other week against Port Vale. Um, and also Crew have, like I say, had a good couple of home wins, so I reckon they could even each other out. Uh, Leighton Orient Swindon. This is, I think, the only time this has happened so far. We've all gone for the same score, as in the same and score. So Tim's gone for 2-1, I've gone for 2-1, you've gone for 2-1, all to Swindon. So that's a a rare one. What's your reasoning for the 2-1? I quite like how Swindon play. They, They... and again, this is probably a small sample size in a minute because they've only all teams have only played like half a dozen games. But um, Swindon, they seem to play well on the break away from home. They've had a good couple of wins. Like I say they, I remember they won first couple of weekends. I think it was the second weekend they played away at Scunthorpe, who admittedly are not the best team in the world at the minute, but played really good on the break. So I reckon they could get a good couple of goals and then maybe late in order and get one back late on. What about you? Yeah, I, I was watching their game the other day where just some of the football they played was bloody lovely they just stroke the ball across the pitch and I think they always tend to leak a few goals at the back but I, I reckon they'll come out with a win in this one yeah yeah like I said I can back that up and uh, Tim's back that up as well um be interesting to see if Tom um goes with 2-1 as well that'd be that'd be the first time that's happened um Morecambe against Salford so you've gone against me and Tim have gone for home wins here partly because I really hate the amount of coverage that Salford gets <laughs> The class of 92, which is just annoying. So I just deliberately want them to lose every game. Um, you've gone for 2-0. Is that because of the Manchester United um, affiliation? Oh, no, I didn't. I mean, I I did think about that, but that wasn't the reason I went for 2-0. I watched them. Obviously, it's been a long time since the start of the season. But I watched them play uh, Stevenage at the start of the season, and they looked quite decent. And I think that they've got, when their players click, they've got some decent footballers there. Richie Towell, who they've got from... Brighton is is really decent, and I like Manny Disarevu. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name up top. I think, and I think I, it's Desiree, from what I've yeah. heard from the commentary. But yeah, it's, it's spelled like very uniquely, shall we say? Yeah, um, and I think him and Rooney up top, uh, they they form a good partnership when they play together. So I'm going to go with they've hit. They're going to hit Morecambe on the break twice and and win it two 0 Interesting. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I'll see. I'm hoping that won't happen, but <laughs> so there we go. Um, you and Tim have both agreed on the next. When Tranmere Gillingham, you've gone for a two all draw. Tim's gone for a one all draw. Um, so yeah, any particular reason you've gone for two all was a fairly um, renegade score. Two all. I I just think at, when I go down this list, sometimes I just pick scores that I haven't picked before, and this is one, <laughs> this is one of those games. That's why I always put a nil nil draw in. I went early this week and I put it on the first game, but I always put a nil nil in. Oh, it's the best thing. Okay, so you've gone because you've run out of other scores. Interesting. Um, <laughs> I went for a 2 0 tramway win just because I feel like Gillingham haven't really clicked yet. Like they've they've made a fair few signings because Steve Evans is there. Therefore, you have to make signings because that's what he does. Um, but they haven't really clicked yet. I think Tramway could maybe get their season going by winning. Um, Wickham against Lincoln. This is, like I say, a very interesting game in terms of both teams are sort of like started the season really well. Lincoln lost a couple games, but her second at the minute, Wickham are currently unbeaten. One of the uh, only about four teams in league one that are unbeaten. So you've gone for a one nil Wickham win, Danny. And that is because uh, exactly what, what you just mentioned there, they're unbeaten. Lincoln have lost their last two, I believe. Um, and so I've gone with form and a little bit of confidence from that unbeaten run. So Wickham to win one nil. Nice. Yeah, I can see the reason behind that. I think Lincoln won the last game, but like I say, they lost their last two away games. So I yeah. can see what you, you mean by that. Yeah. Um, I've gone for a one or draw again. This is the Grimsby crew thing coming out again. I think it, they'll just cancel each other out. They're both decent teams. Both of them like to get shots away as well, which means obviously it's very good. There's going to be chances. They're probably going to both score. Um, and then Tim has finished off with a 2-1 win to Wickham. So obviously he thinks that, uh, agrees with you and thinks that Wickham can get... Um, 
another win. So, yeah, very interesting. So we'll see, obviously, how they go. Um, we'll see as well if next week there might be a bit of a return to some more top flight games. Obviously, the, champ, uh, the international break being over. But for the time being, that'll be that. So, yeah, we'll check in on this next week. I look forward to my one point coming this week to just keep me in that third spot for the rest of the season. Remember, you can get involved as well. Go to GameTime underscore pod on Twitter where we post all of the predictions. You can comment below that pinned post every single week or you can email us at GameTimePodcast1 at gmail.com. Before we head into the break, just because I'm still on the uh, David Artell uh, Wikipedia page. this (laughs) is Like you know, when you're just scanning across a page, and and obviously like there's loads of high like highlighted links on a page. So like yeah. for, I'm under managerial career, and it's like um, Steve Davis, who used to be manager of Crew, and it's like EFL League Two manager of the month are highlighted. And then just as I'm scanning, Idi Amin and Paul Pot are also in highlighted thing. And I thought, okay, all right, <laughs> I'm gonna have to read the sentence before it. It says, um, with Crew in 17th place, Artel released six players in the summer. He warned the remaining out-of-contract players to sign their new contracts quickly before he withdrew them. But he said, we all had a say. It's not a dictatorship. I'm not Idi Amin or Paul Pot. It's evolution, <laughs> not revolution. But we won't be happy in 17th in the table again next season. That's wonderful. <laughs> nothing, nothing like um, sort of willing your players on by encouraging or maybe mentioning people that have committed genocide. <laughs> <laughs> That is, that is really the way to get um, get people thinking about their futures. <laughs> How do you think they did the, the following season after he threatened them? I reckon they'll be finished 19th. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it worked. 15th. Well, if that's, if that's worked, then <laughs> I'd hate to see what he'd have to do for promotion. He'd probably have to threaten to kill all their families to get them to get promoted. <laughs> you better fucking score or else. <laughs> I mentioned Pol Pot last year. I can bring him back to life. I'm a forensic biologist. <laughs> <laughs> the chalkboard over there. It's right there. I can start writing equations. <laughs> Oh dear, we've gone off piste again, haven't we? We do love a bit of off piste. Let's uh, let's use the break to get us back on piste. Uh, when we come back, we'll be talking about the international break, everyone's favourite time of the year. Sorry, I've just looked at my phone. Any chance you've seen Tom's attempt at uh, at his predictions? Um, let me have a look. Hang on. It's possibly the greatest predict. To be fair to him, he's absolutely owned up as well. <laughs> I can't get to the bottom for <laughs> excellent. <laughs> so he's but, tried to write them in, but he's done it like on Microsoft Paint, by the look of it, with um, the, boxing gloves on. Yeah. Thickest brush tool ever. Um, he's actually gone for the five four again in the four five game as well. That's quite good. That's quite good. He's absolutely loving it. Uh, he's he's gone. We'll give we'll give Tom a quick uh, wrap of his one. So he's gone uh, Forest Green Rovers 1-0 against Cambridge. Same score as me. Carlisle, Exeter to draw 1-0. Coventry to beat Blackpool 2-0. Dunfermline to win 2-0. He's gone with you on that one for the Allo Athletic. 4-4-4, East 5-5. He's gone the other way around for that one. Grimsby Town and Crew. he's gone for the 0-0 scoreline on that one. And and then he said, I can't get to the bottom on my phone. Going to go 2-2, which is Swindon Leighton Orient. 2-0 2-0 to Morecambe versus Salford. 0-0 Gillingham Tranmere and 1-0 Wickham Wanderers Lincoln City. Oh, what a way. What a way to end it. How wrong is the game? Right, welcome back from the break. As I mentioned, we'll be talking about international break. We'll start it off with the uh, with the England team. A couple of surprising ones in there. Incredibly, Ryan, with uh with Tom not on the pod, we are actually going to mention Bournemouth slightly. For, for, yeah, for on a tangent. <laughs> yeah, on a really bad former three-time Premier League appearance maker for Bournemouth. Tyra Mings is in the squad. What What do you think about that one? I didn't think he'd had um, a particularly brilliant start to the season, but apparently it's been enough for uh, Southgate to get him in the squad. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big fan of this, to be honest. It's <laughs> it's one of those things where you can tell there's, there's injury problems. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Yeah, just looking at the squad, obviously you've got like, um, for example, centre-back options, Gomez, Michael Keane, Harry Maguire. Um, it's not great. <laughs> I mean, the, in in the best best one in the world, I, I've got nothing against Tyrone Mings, but um, 
yeah, like I say, I reckon he's probably about the 11th, 12th, 13th best centre-back we've got in terms of our national team. I feel like it's only because we're playing Bulgaria and Kosovo and therefore should be easy um, that he's got into the team. And obviously because of injuries to like people like John Stones, for example. Um, I don't think I've seen anything from him, from a Villa point of view, to even warrant being selected. So like I say, it must be a weird one. It, it always makes me laugh. There's always one person per England squad that seems to start off with an interview going, yeah, I thought it was a joke. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was me mates. And this time it was Tyro Mings. So that probably says all it needs to be said about that. Um, what do you think? Do you think he's worthy of a, of the call up, or is it a bit of a a bit of a shitter? I mean, he did get a fabulous assist on the first day of the season against Spurs. So if anything's worthy of an England call up, it is thumping the ball fifty yards up the pitch and watching two Tottenham players miss it. It's a centre back assist in a three one defeat. That's what <laughs> gets you. That's what gets you in the England squad these days. Um, I, I'm gonna. I'm going to say maybe versatility as well. Obviously, Danny Rose is in the squad uh, in at left back. Uh, Luke Shaw, obviously, injured. I'd imagine, obviously, as well, Ben Chilwell's in there. I'd imagine it's just in case. Uh, yeah. Ben Chilwell, Danny Rose, pick up an injury. He can play left back if needs be. But, yeah, I, I don't know if he's done. I don't know if he's done enough. But, hey, congratulations to him. Yeah, yeah, fair play. Like I said, in the same way that I would be buzzing if I got picked for England, but also I'd know that I didn't really deserve it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's that sort of thing. It's like, oh, it's pretty good, but also I probably shouldn't be here. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it's, um, like I say, it, it does make me laugh as well because you always get the team, the, the supporters of teams in the sort of like maybe like the bottom third of Premier League teams. Um, notice I said Premier League there as well. I'm training myself. You're um, learning, like Tim. Yeah. <laughs> Hope wins. <laughs> yeah, I'm... I'm um, I'm trying there. I'm trying my best. Um, yeah, with you always get like a Burnley fan, like when the team gets announced and they always mention like some absolute clogger of a footballer. And they're like, why hasn't he got into the squad? Uh, I remember like the, the big one was a couple of years ago with um, when Middlesbrough were in the Premier League um, and Ben Gibson was playing for him. And obviously Middlesbrough didn't have a great season, went straight down again. And every week there was just a load of people from the North he's going oh we've been overlooked again for the England squad it's like <laughs> no <laughs> just can you play in, in England and he's a centre back and he can play with his left foot it doesn't mean he comes in <laughs> it's just ridiculous like oh I yeah. just don't understand like why they've even and like you said the versatility argument why has he not picked Kyle Walker Kyle Walker can play probably better at left back than Mings can in my yeah. opinion and he can even play at centre back because he played there in in the World Cup. But yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird one. Um, how do you how do you see the England games going? Out of interest, as a sort of a, a semi neutral. Uh, to be honest, like you said, it's, it's Bulgaria and Kosovo, and and we'll come on to the Kosovo game because uh, you mentioned a nice little stat off air a second ago. But yeah, I, I think England will be fine, and I don't really envisage many problems. I'm not sure Bulgaria are as good as they used to be when they had the likes of Stylian Petrov and, and Dimitar Berbatov and, and a couple of others who, who sort of formed the core of that team. I'm I'm not too sure what they have now, if I'm honest. I, I don't think they've got anyone that should trouble England. And and maybe it is a case of, you know what, it is only Bulgaria and Kosovo. Southgate goes, you know what, I don't need to pick Carl Walker because I know what I'm going to get from him. There's no point in risking him. I'm yeah. going to try out a, a bit of a useful team because it does seem quite a young team. Mason Mount, we didn't mention, got in there. There you go, Tim. I know you, I know you would have wanted that. Um, and, the obligatory. and also, also um, in, the, in the memory of Alan as well, Declan Rice. Yes, in the memory of Alan. <laughs> May you rest in peace in Area 51. Uh, Declan Rice is in there as a midfielder. Um, and congrats as well to Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, probably with a horrific injury that kept him up for a long time. Nice to see him uh, getting a run out as well. Whether or not, again, he deserves it, I'm not sure how well he's played or if he's played much this season. Not really, no. He's been off the bench a couple of times, hasn't he, I think. and then. But like I say, it's getting him back to full fitness. Probably a good idea to give him a run out against Bulgaria at Wembley, maybe. Yeah. How do you how do you see the games going? I know you um, you had your eye on the on the Kosovo game as well, being a bit of a milestone. Yeah, like I say, it's more of a case just because we haven't played them before. Obviously, them being one of the newest teams, or I think the newest in terms of the um, members of UEFA that can play in the qualifiers. So it'd be interesting to see, like I say, what the sort of the facilities are like over there, like what the stadiums like. I don't know anything about Kosovo, um, Kosovo Stadium, so it'd be interesting. I'm not expecting it to be some sort of backwater, um, (laughs) but I do, I do think it'd be interesting, like I say, to go over there and see how many England fans have braved the journey. 
Yeah, I can see two fairly comfortable wins. And basically, if we win both these games, it will pretty much guarantee us qualifying for the Euros because obviously it's so much easier to qualify from the Euro groups than the World Cup groups because you get two positions per group and then you get one place in the playoffs if you really fuck it up, Um, which makes, like, for example, the Netherlands, when they didn't qualify in 2016, it makes it even more impressive that they didn't qualify. (laughs) Impressive. It was so easy and they didn't do it. Um, So, yeah, I think, obviously, with the results from back in March when we beat um, the Czech Republic 5-0 and Montenegro 5-1, I feel like if we win these two games and then maybe just bore out a draw away in the Czech Republic, I feel like that's pretty much it for the group. And then we can just sort of like knock off the rest of the games, which is not ideal for our preparations for year for the Euros, because obviously you sort of like you might get a bit complacent and you don't play against top quality teams. But I feel like we deserve the way we play sort of like the first two games, we've deserved that bit of leeway. Like you win two two games with an average of five goals a game, like that's pretty good. So yeah, I, I can see them being good. I'll I will watch them, of course. I always watch England games if I'm if I'm out and about uh, unless I'm out and about. I can see him, see him being fairly straightforward. Um, one thing I would, did want to bring up as well, this isn't a, specifically against you, Danny, but the fact that teams um, from so-called like sort of top four or maybe top six teams now, seemingly withdrawing their players from England squads at random just because mm. they have like a broken toenail. Or, I mean, Wan-Bissaka, what was, what was he? He's got a bad back? Yeah, he's got a back injury. But apparently, again, which really annoyed me the other day, I saw it on BT, uh, BBC Sport, that um, he's they're probably going to be able to manage it and he'll be back playing for United next week. So thanks for that. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that... Well, it was... Uh, it was uh, I mean, talking about Manchester United, it was labelled at Ryan Giggs, wasn't it, when he mm. was a player, that he always seemed to conveniently miss all games for Wales that didn't have any real importance. But then when it was an important game, it'd be straight in the team. So... It is frustrating, and even speaking from from a Man United point of view, where we definitely cannot afford to lose Aaron Wan-Bissaka because he's probably been far and away one of our best players. Um, it it is frustrating to see them just pull out and almost it be seen as nothing. Like I'm just going to pull out. I've I've got an injury. Yeah. Less serious, where they then don't appear for the next like four weeks, and then it's like, oh, fair enough. That man was actually injured. Yeah, oh, he was so ill. <laughs> but then didn't didn't Harry Kane do it last season? Where he was like, oh, I've got an ankle injury and then rocked up the next day. Oh, no, it wasn't. Uh, it was Gareth Bale, sorry, not Harry Kane. Where he was like, I've got an ankle injury. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, Kane was out for ages. He <laughs> <laughs> was, was out for like eight weeks. <laughs> He's on crutches and everything. He's <laughs> a obligatory March month out. He's just like, no. Yeah. <laughs> no thanks no thanks boys um but yeah yeah and like i say the the, the counter put uh, sort of like the additional point on that as well is the fact that like you get teams from um like players from teams like man united and liverpool i remember liverpool under brendan rogers were always famous for players pulling out um seemingly at will um and it was always like the tottenham players that had to then pick up the slack so like when we had like andros townsend or like ryan mason they'd play and then people would criticize them for playing for england it's like they're the only ones left. <laughs> Either pick them or pick team players from the championship because all of the Chelsea and Liverpool and Man United players have all fucking like withdrawn from the squad. <laughs> but like, it's just a personal gripe of mine. It just seems to happen more often than not with the players that maybe have are at clubs that have a bit more leeway. I can't imagine Wan-Bissaka would have been pulled out of the squad if he was still at Palace. Put it that way. Yes. Uh, yeah. Unless yeah. Unless it's a a massive injury. If we yeah. see him back next week, yeah, then I, I totally. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like I say, Hodgson would be if he was still at Palace, he'd be encouraging him to play every game for his country because it's important and stuff. And he's not played for the full England team yet, so that would be a, a moment in itself. And like you've got players, like you say, like Callum Wilson, who's very important to Bournemouth. Like go and probably echo and imagine what Tom would be thinking if he then fucks his leg up or his, his knee again because he's had knee injuries before playing against Kosovo. Then, well. That's like I say again. That's the problem there. That's because players didn't fancy going to Kosovo, and it's all of a sudden ruined Bournemouth's season. Yeah, but, very true. Yeah. yeah, but apart from that, like I say, they should be fine, and it should be a banter-filled weekend as always with international weekends. Tom absolutely buzzing off his tits in Turkey, hearing Bournemouth <laughs> mentioned four times in the space of like forty seconds. Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> going to be absolutely loving it. Um, you mentioned Crystal Palace there, and that brings us on to a nice little feature that. 
that you created essentially about 25 minutes ago before we started recording this pod, um, where we're going to have a look for the rest of the season. We'll start it off this week with a bit of international stuff at some underdogs that could potentially cause a few teams a little bit of problems. Any that have caught your eye this week? I know you were you were saying Armenia, Italy is a, is a perfect example of it as they were drawing 1-1 earlier on in the evening. Italy have won that game 3-1 now. Just to... Okay. Well, for about 10 minutes, it looked like it was on. <laughs> <laughs> After that, I saw on BT, BBC Sport. I keep saying BT Sport. It's BBC Sport. I saw on there that the guy that scored for Armenia then got sent off in first half stoppage time. So he's obviously been super buzzing. Yeah. <laughs> <Fucking> <laughs> like scoring that. against Italy and then just two-footed someone. <laughs> um, never mind. Yeah, like I say, but it's that idea. It's sort of like the last couple of weekends in the sort of like the English Football League and also across Europe. You've seen a couple of results that often get called coupon busters, which leads to like vitriolic abuse from people sending tweets to the club <laughs> like they care that they lost their £8.52 accumulator. Uh, <laughs> because they're back, to, they're back to all the teams that all won to 22 on. Uh, <laughs> um, which always makes me laugh, like especially when a team like Celtic draws and everyone's like, oh, you ruined my bet. It's like, well, don't bet on Celtic there, mate. <laughs> just, yeah, exactly. Uh, what are you doing? Um, but yeah, like I say, it's just an idea I thought, especially like I say, you got the Man United Palace result from the other week and then the Spurs-Newcastle game. And to a similar extent, obviously with me watching football in Germany, you had Union Berlin beating Dortmund, which was a fairly big result uh, last weekend in Germany. Um, I've got a couple of games I've earmarked for frustrating nil-nils which is one of my favourite um, subsections of the upset, because obviously no one wins in that, really. The team away from home gets a point, which doesn't really help them in the grand scheme of things, unless they need a point to stay up. And the team at home dr- loses two points and they don't score. So everyone loses. And then the fans <laughs> that watch it lose 90 minutes of their life. Uh, so I've gone, I reckon Azerbaijan are an outside bet to get um, a point away in Wales, because as you said earlier with Bale, like I say, he's not played... Um, much and although he looked good when he came in against Villarreal and played for Villarreal against Villarreal, sorry for Madrid. If he's not on form at the minute with Wales, like I say having going through a bit of a transitional phase with the players, that could be a frustrating afternoon if um, Azerbaijan take ten minutes for every throw in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I reckon Azerbaijan for a nil-nil there. Um, France Albania as well, purely because. Um, I remember in Euro 2016 that Albania played France and then they had nil, they had them at a nil-nil draw up until about the 90th minute and then France scored twice in added time. So that could be a potential nil-nil there, going on recency bias. Um, <laughs> and then Northern Ireland, Germany, purely because Northern Ireland have won their first four games, albeit against the weak teams in the group. Um, if they hold Germany to a nil-nil draw, that would be a really good sort of like um, result for them, really positive result in Belfast. And I don't mind Northern Ireland out of all the home nations, so I wouldn't mind them qualifying again. So I wouldn't mind seeing that. Although Timo Werner is probably going to put a nine past them, knowing the, the rate he's scoring at the minute. <laughs> he's actually he's having a very good season for Leipzig, isn't he? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like I say, he got a hat trick last week, so that could be dangerous. So, but if they keep him quiet, you never know. My outright um, upset of the weekend, I'm back in um, Scotland. Okay, which sounds horrible to say because they've traditionally have been quite terrible. I reckon out of the two games, they've got Russia at home, Belgium at home. I reckon they're going to win at least one of them, if not maybe both. Ooh, okay. Right, because like they, they basically need to in order to keep their, like I say, they need to get into the top two, obviously, to qualify for the Euros. They'll have a lot of um, sort of popular support because some of the games are being held in Glasgow. So I reckon... They, I reckon they've got enough to beat Russia, even though Russia obviously made it to the quarters of the last World Cup. And I reckon Belgium, if they have an off day, maybe Martinez sends them out with like a two at the back formation and they fuck it up for the lads. Um, <laughs> that does sound like Roberto Martinez, to be exactly, fair. Yeah, it's very on brand from him. Um, yeah, so I reckon, I reckon there's potential there for Scotland to at least get one win against, like I say, two teams that performed very well at the last World Cup or maybe even six points. So that'll be interesting to keep tabs on. So I'll be keeping tabs over that over the weekend. Have there any been been any games that you've had a look at, Danny, that you fancy? Uh, I'm going to keep it close to home, to be honest with you. Finland play Italy, um, and I know we discussed this off-air a little bit. Italy didn't look that convincing um, in, in the group games. I know they've just beaten Armenia by three goals to one, but I have a feeling Finland might trip them up um, away from home. Obviously, Italy don't have Giorgio Chiellini. He's done his ACL in. So that's already put a sort of dampener on the Italian back line. And Bonucci is is very good. He's, he's a world-class centre-back, but he has definitely declined in the last few years. And then depending on who is partnered with him, 
Italy don't always look that fluid. Um, so I think Finland might get a little bit. They're, they're my top underdogs for the week. Um, other than that, I don't really see. I really wanted to go for Faroe Islands upsetting Spain, but I'll be honest, I'd only be lying. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like I did look at a couple of those moody games because like I've said this before about like teams from maybe footballing minnows. Um like a couple of results before, like France, for example, have drawn nil nil with Luxembourg in the recent past, and like they've got nil nil draws. Like Luxembourg have gone and won. Like Andorra have got results; they've beaten teams which is like unheard of. Like Gibraltar have got like results in friendlies and stuff. So you always think about maybe backing the real underdog, but like I can't honestly sit here and say San Marino are going to get a point off Belgium, or um, <laughs> say for example um, Andorra are going to go away to Turkey and then get a point. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. I can't see it. So yeah, yeah. Okay. So not Finn and Italy. Obviously, for your sake, you're hoping that that'll be a comfortable two 0 win with no injuries. But yes. um, yeah, like I can. That was like I said. We did discuss that earlier about like that potentially having a bit of a uh, a bit of, be a bit of a banana skin. So yeah, that'll be interesting to keep tabs on that one. Um, just checking the games on Monday. Estonia against the Netherlands. I think that's again that's a bit out of reach. Um, <laughs> I'd like to see it happen but unfortunately not um and oh san marino cyprus hmm. no again that's a bit too far out of reach I, yeah. I feel i feel like no one wins in that occasion so, like cyprus should yeah. win that game and if they don't they just shouldn't play football anymore exactly. that's the thing like like i said earlier with the nil nils like I've, I've, I've backed wales azerbaijan france albania northern Ireland, germany to be nil nil Nobody wins. That's the best bit. Like I said, the team that's fancied, no one wins. The team that's the people that have bet on them, no one wins. And then the team away from home, it's like, yeah, we've got a point, but we really we're bottom with minus twelve goal difference. Um, yeah. we'll, we shall see. But yeah, like I said, I just thought it'd be an interesting one just to try and pick out because there is definitely value in looking at the game sometimes, and sometimes not whether or not if you're a betting person or not, it doesn't really it's not really important. But it's more of a case of there is sometimes results that are so obviously not going to go the way they want you want them to do mm. that there'll definitely be value in picking them out and then just looking smug about it <laughs> <laughs> so, oh yeah i told you that chelsea were going to uh, draw with sheffield united or whatever okay yeah what a, what a bloody good draw it was as well um if you want to message us in any underdogs, you can do that, GameTime underscore pod or GameTimePodcast1 at gmail.com. Look at me promoting the Twitter and the email twice in one episode. Exactly. Although I would like to say that, uh, and this is, could be a theme later on, I, I, I want actual upsets. I don't want like all the team 12th in League One going away to the team 10th in League One and getting a draw. That is not, that is not an upset. <laughs> you, you, want, you want like, uh, I'm trying to think, the Derby team that got relegated with the least amount of points beating the current Manchester City team if they exactly. played each other. I'm looking for that sort of stuff, yeah. And obviously this is this this will sort of this mini game will come into its own like on FA Cup weekend, um, for example. But um yeah, it's just like just little bits like sort of teams that are down the bottom, not really got much to play for, turning up at like the Emirates or Tottenham's new ground or Anfield and just getting a result. Yeah, just thought it'd be like say so we'll have a look out and then we can just be smug about it. Smug indeed. Um, right, we'll finish it off with some talking points, as we always do. And funnily enough, you mentioned something off air in, in the running order that I was going to talk about, but didn't want to be the one to engage it into conversation because I feel like I always try and shoehorn in local politics of Maidenhead into it. But you mentioned the fact that you, you're seeing a trend of, of teams that lose to Maidenhead uh, being a little bit antsy on Twitter. Indeed, yeah, yeah. Like I say, obviously, you will have the background info on this. I'll let you expand on this shortly. But um, obviously, I do sort of semi-follow the National League. Um, and obviously, I know Maidenhead have had a really good start, a really positive start, which is good for them, considering they've got quite a small budget in compared to other teams. But yeah, teams that maybe used to be good in the National League, um, I'm looking at you, Torquay United, another team <laughs> similar to who maybe has still got a little bit of a chip in the shoulder the fact they've got to play in such a lowly division they seem to be just getting really baffled by the fact that this maidenhead team keeps coming to their ground and winning games uh, <laughs> and like I say, it's, it's maybe not so much the official twitter account it's more like fans people saying like oh we shouldn't be losing to maidenhead it's like well they're not too bad <laughs> but yeah um so could you fill us in on the background danny in terms of why or how they've started the season and what's happening there at the minute 
it, it's unbelievable. It's it's become my my daily. Well, it won't be daily. It'll be bi daily. Uh, no, still not bi daily. I'm not that keen. Bi weekly. <laughs> <laughs> that bi- makes you more keen. You're doing it twice a day. <laughs> yeah, I'm really keen. Uh, my bi weekly thing, where the day after, and sometimes not even the day after, like the evening that Maidenhead have played, and at the moment, as it goes, they're fourth in the National League. Uh, they've only lost twice, and they've got 100%, um, or they have not lost away from home so far this season. It seems to be that these teams will just shitpost Maidenhead on Twitter, and it'll always be like a, a random fan will say something. I think I saw a tweet last week, and it's just like, oh, I can't believe we're losing to teams like this when Yeovil lost to Maidenhead. And, and Maidenhead fans are saying, like, well, it doesn't matter who we are as a name. You've got to play us as a football team. And in fact, I know you, you said that it's not like the official accounts. The Yeovil Town manager, um, is it Darren Saul? Darren Saul, yeah. Yeah. He gave an, uh, an interesting interview after the match and he said, we've got to be putting teams away like this. If they come here and, and try and slow the game down and they, can't, they come here and they, they take their time over the ball, we've got to be putting teams away like this. And, and in my head, I thought, you're a football manager. You've got, to set, you've got to set your team up to be anything. You cannot be complaining that you, because your team wants to play at a high-intensity tempo that the other team aren't sprinting the ball back onto the pitch every five seconds. You cannot, yeah. you cannot be upset that the other team wants to play to their rhythm. That's the point of football. That's what makes it so beautiful. You've <laughs> got to try and, almost like a chess game, you've got to try and figure each other out. And I thought that was a bit odd, but it just seems so weird. I'm, I tried to find some of the tweets and it's just like, just such petty things. Like someone just tweeted, Maidenhead has to be the worst ground in the National League. There's a Ford Transit van parked under that stand. And it's like, who the fuck cares? Yeah, uh, I, I would park a load of transit vans everywhere around the Tottenham ground if we were sort of like fighting for promo or like titles or like cups and stuff. Exactly. It doesn't matter. Like it really doesn't. Yeah, and that's the thing, like I said, that's why I, like we talked about this briefly a couple of weeks ago after the Newcastle Spurs game. That's why I wasn't too annoyed that um, we got beat because we played terribly. Newcastle um, obviously got their goal and that was like, okay, well, sound, come and break us down. And there's nothing wrong with that. In the same way, there's nothing wrong with, like I say, having a team that maybe has never played in the football league before, like Maidenhead haven't. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. Like it, it, People do get a bit sort of like, oh, you have to play football this way, whatever. And it's just like, no, if it gets results, like, I'm not being funny, you take results over performances, or at least I do anyway. Take results over performances anyway, like coming from a Tottenham point of view, considering we don't really normally like win anything, but then we get praised for having good performances. It was like, well, I'd rather the other way around. Exactly. Um, I, I really like I say it does get to me, and especially when people um, say about like negative football, like, like you said earlier, said like, oh, we've got to break these teams down. It's like, like I said earlier, they've got a small budget compared to um, other teams. Like Yeovil have just come down from League Two. Notts County are like similar. I know they've had financial problems, but obviously they're still coming down from League Two. They've got a big fan base. Maidenhead, like I say, up until are they still semi-professional? Are they gone professional now? So they are semi-professional, but have implemented like professional standards. So they're training like three or four times a week now. And I think right. the aim is is to be professional in the next few years. Okay. But like I said, that's what I mean. You see, you've got like a semi-professional team in all but name there. And like I said, they're holding their own and doing better than that in the fifth division of the English football pyramid. It's like, yeah, I, I, I don't understand. It's baffling, but it does make me laugh, like I say, because then it's the same along the same thinking of the people that, like I said earlier, who tweet football clubs when their bets get let down. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to reply to you, mate. Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. if they do, they don't care. They've, they've won the game or they've drawn the game or whatever, and they've, they've gone to your ground and they've got a result. So, yeah, good luck to them. I'm sort of going to be sort of uh, semi-cheering Maidenhead on now. <laughs> and the thing as well, before we, we move on from that point, they're managed by Alan Devonshire, a man who played for West Ham and England. It's not like they're being managed by someone who doesn't know how to play football or what good football yeah. is. He he came back to the club. He was there for, for two years. Um, he left. He went to a couple of other clubs in and around the National League, National League South. He came back to Maidenhead, got them promoted, won them the league in the National League South, and got them to the National League. And not only did he get them to the National League, but with a tiny budget, like you mentioned, managed to get them to finish 12th in the first season. Then last season, a little bit more difficult, but won three games, all 1-0 in February, which basically ended up keeping them up. 
and they finished like 19th last season and stayed up and now they're fourth. I don't understand why bigger clubs think, oh, just because they're a small club, they, they have to stay a small club. That's how you get better. You learn to play within the leagues that you're in. You learn to play with the limitations you have. So, yeah, good luck to yeah. Maidenhead for the rest of the season and all other, because the way the National League is, is shaping up this season, if you look at everyone that's in the top positions, teams like Bromley, they're still unbeaten this season. You've got other, you've got Woking who've just been promoted from the National League South. Like, it's nice to see, like, not just mm. the teams that are relegated from League Two and all the big names just going straight back up to the top. Definitely. Like I say, and that links into one of my sort of biggest, like, pet peeves in terms of football fans is like people that think they should be in a division because of the history of a club yeah it really gets me like that idea of like say oh we were good once about 40 years ago therefore we deserve to be in the premier league um i think you'll find actually that you get in the premier league if you play good football exactly. <laughs> like for example like that's why i said through gritted teeth at the start of the year i i hoped they didn't but i did tip bournemouth to go down because they play good football they're a small club like relative size in terms of like, other clubs in the league but like i'd much prefer them being up there and giving it a go every week than a team like, for example, Leeds, who or admittedly they're okay, they're doing they're playing good football at the minute under Bielsa, but like just because they were good in the seventies does not give them an automatic pass up to the Premier League. In the exactly. same way that Nottingham Forest or Preston, for example, who were like the first league winners, they don't automatically stay in the league every year. Exactly. It's just like, and like and the best thing was um, people having a go when Huddersfield went promoted, got promoted about three years ago, two years ago, and they were saying, "Oh, God, what are Huddersfield doing up here? Like they've got no history and stuff." And they won the league three times in a row in the thirties, but because it was too long ago for people to remember, they'd just forgotten about it. Yeah. So like, it's like no, it, that's not the point. Just because you haven't heard of them in the last twenty years does not mean that they're not playing good football and they deserve to be in the league they're in. So yeah, it's just nonsense, really. Nonsense it is indeed. Um... As we're nearing the uh, the end of it, have you got any uh, funny talking points or anything that's caught your eye this week from football? Um, just the the thing I mentioned earlier about Sebastian Quates, um, the absolute two out of ten performance he did, um, gave away three penalties, was it? Three, pen- three penalties and a red. Oh. Yeah, um, it's just blatant. Like it's borderline matrixing, I would argue. <laughs> That's um I when I saw that um, pop up on my phone the other day, I called that doing a John Walters. Yeah, funny enough, a friend of mine from home, I remember like we we always talk about like the the John Walters against Chelsea performance as like a, a legendary low for professional football. Um and he actually he was the one that alerted me to this quietest thing and he said like, Oh, um basically, yeah, I think we've found a rival for the John Walters game. <laughs> and then I looked at obviously looked it up and it was pretty much like that. Yeah, so that was um it was good to see after like six, seven years maybe, Walters maybe having to relinquish that um that title. Oh, it's abs- it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, it's just I remember that game vividly because the diving header own goal he scored is possibly one of the best own goals I've ever seen. Yeah, my my personal favourite was the fact that when he misses the penalty, obviously he scored both of his own goals already, so they're already I think three or four nil down. They get a penalty. It's like it's so fans like, oh yeah, all right, let's just make it not embarrassing and he swats it over the bar there's no other over it. and then like he just he's almost like he's almost laughing because he's like well <laughs> i've not earned my money today <laughs> i i should not get an appearance fee bonus it's, for this it's just like he's like everything that has gone wrong has actually happened so <laughs> we'll, we'll call it even and we'll see each other again on monday but yeah that was quite funny yeah oh no that was brilliant i'll tell you what was brilliant as well which is is my talking point for this week do you see the twitter spat between michael owen and alan shearer the beigest thing on the internet, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, like I say, it's... I, I read a good article about this the other day, about, like, I didn't realise how much they hated each other. Mm. Like, because obviously I've got this not nostalgic view of both of them being, like, England, playing for England and stuff, and, like, even though they never actually played England for most of the time, played both play for England for most of the time I was watching England, but, yeah, this idea of, like, oh, they're at Newcastle together, they're big mates, and they fucking despise each other. <laughs> I'm... I'm scrolling down uh michael's twitter feed for for some of the responses uh the one uh, the, i mean this is i'll uh, i'll just do a play by play why not uh michael owen obviously said that uh he, he just basically wanted to get out of newcastle when he was there to which alan shearer on twitter replied yes michael we thought that also whilst on 120k a week and then Michael Owen responds with, not sure you're as loyal to Newcastle as you make out, mate. I distinctly remember you being inches away from signing for Liverpool after Sir Bobby Rodson put you on the bench. You tried everything to get out. It's just grown men basically having a sword fight on Twitter. 
Exactly. Yeah. Like I say, it's um, uh, but it, I can see why both of them are annoyed. Obviously, like Owen, from what I've read recently, Owen haven't actually uh, Owen didn't actually want to go to Newcastle at any point. Like I say, he was pretty happy with being at Real Madrid, and if he was ever going to come back to England, he was just going to go to Liverpool again. So like, and it, basically, he he was almost like not bullied, but like. Graham Souness and Shearer were like persuading him on a weekly basis to like, oh, come and sign for us, it'll be quality. Um, so yeah, it wasn't, Wadden didn't have the best times, but then, like I say, Shearer is, is held up as like this idea of like, oh, yeah, one like he's always wanted to play from his record goal scorer, but like, and same with Steven Gerrard, like they were both very close to leaving the club. Mm-hmm. Like, Gerrard obviously nearly went to Chelsea when he was at Liverpool in about 2004, and like I say, Shearer was the same, like he could have gone to United, could have gone to Liverpool. So yeah, like I say, it's just, um, it's just quite funny seeing the merit in public, really. It it just make me laugh. It is. It's just. It's just weird because I think the thing for me is you see, obviously Twitter, you get basically a more personal view. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes footballers have like PR people that do all their tweets for them. But you then just like see them on match of the day, and I'm just hoping they're on a match of the day together at some point. I just want to see them do some sort of. Yeah, it's just, just be a pure sprat, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think that was a great goal. Oh, I fucking think you're lying, Alan. <laughs> Come on, then. <laughs> <laughs> and just Gary Lineker just trying his best to to not <laughs> to not get in the way. Just like nil uh, nil between Crystal Palace and someone else. <laughs> oh dear, yeah. It was. Um, like I say it, it. It it is. Um, it does make me laugh. And, and like I say, like I said, the two of the blandest people. In terms yeah. of like sometimes opinions and even the way they talk, so that was quite good. Yeah. Oh, bland and beige, and that's gonna be the thing that we end this podcast on. I might even call it that the bland and beige pre ah words bland. Oh, he's ruined it. Oh, I had the perfect link out, so we're just gonna leave it like that. Ryan, thanks for being the only one to show up. Fantastic, yeah. Like I said that's the amateurish tone we're going for, I think. <laughs> if it's one thing you take away from this podcast is that we are completely amateur in everything that we do and as long as you remember that you'll enjoy us much much more until next week ryan thank you very much again cheers mate have a good week thank you you too and remember if you want to get in touch with us game time podcast one at gmail.com game time underscore pod on twitter you can listen to us on itunes spotify whatever you listen to us on please give us a few star rating hopefully a lot star rating five would be nice uh, and leave us a comment until next week bye